Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another baking a murder, baking a mystery, baking your titties and ass bits. <laughs> Today's baking a murder is gonna be on a movie called Unsafe. Unsane. Damn it. <laughs> it's called Unsane. Like instead of insane, you're unsane. I don't know what the title means. Honestly, this movie is very fascinating. It's very interesting. I'm gonna wait until the end to give you my thoughts, my feelings, because I have a whole lot of them. I've got a whole dump truck of thoughts and feelings that I just want to unload onto you, but we're gonna do that at the end of this bacon and murder. I will mention that this entire movie was filmed on an iPhone 7. The entire movie. What what's the deal with that? Why are directors Directors keep doing this. Because <laughs> I think they think they're artsy. <laughs> Does that make the film any better? No. So <laughs> normally I'm all about that. Like I love artsy. I love artsy, fartsy, arts and crafts, Michael's, Joanne's craft store. I love the whole shebang, okay? I like all of it. And I usually appreciate when directors do different things. But for um for examples, when they use like really grainy different filmography things, I don't know what I'm saying. I have no knowledge of film. Um, but whenever they use anything that's like so restricted and limited, personally, I just find myself squinting and like getting frustrated because I expect everything. It's 2021. I expect to see everything in 25K. I'm kidding. I don't know. I don't, but it was a it was an intense one. So it all starts with the woman of Sawyer. Well, I'm going to give you the premise of it just so you guys know what's going on, right? It's a woman who's been stalked for a lot, you know, multiple years. She gets a restraining order and eventually she ends up in a mental institution. We're going to find out how she gets there. And once she's there, she starts seeing her stalker there. Now, is this a coincidence or is she losing her mind? Like what's going on here and what's the ending of this? So Sawyer Valentini is the main lead of this movie. And she is, um, she's not really a lovable character. Like, if you like watching movies where you can really relate to someone, you, like, fall in love and you're like, that's my bits. Like, we're going to be best friends. This isn't the one for you because there were multiple times that I wanted to punch her in the face. More than her stalker. I wanted to punch her in the face. So, Sawyer Valentini, she had just moved into this new city and she's working as an analyst for a bank. And she's incredibly rude. Now, I feel like she's rude. the type, yeah, that will tell people that she's just blunt and, like, a straight to the point. But, like, she'll literally hang up on customers because they're being annoying so she's blunt so she's blunt <laughs> a lot of her colleagues one in particular by the name of jill thinks like it's a little too much like what are you doing she's kind of giving her a little weird look but mm -hmm. the boss seems to really like her even though she just got there he's impressed with the analytic work that she's doing with all of the write-ups she's doing he's like your reports fire it's everything is amazing and he's kind of creepy he's like by the way your reports are amazing i think i think you have a future here do you want to go somewhere this weekend with me there's like this conference we would stay at a hotel it would be a work trip it would be you know three days two nights type situation and it's really creepy please refrain from doing that so she's like okay i mean maybe i'll think about it i don't think so i don't think i'm ready enough now it's unclear if she genuinely feels like she's unready or if she's like, whoa, my boss is a freaking creep. So she kind of rejects him and she leaves. Now that night, right after work, we kind of see her go through the motions of life. So she goes home, she starts going on her phone, she matched with a bunch of guys on Tinder and decides to meet with one of them at a bar. And immediately they're hitting it off at the bar. You see them, they're talking, they're flirting, they're giggling. And all of a sudden she calls him the wrong name. She's like, oh, remember Brian? And he's like, no, my name's Kevin. And she's like, Oh, <laughs> and he's like, oh, it's it's okay, it's okay, I get it, like, names are confusing, and she's like, alright, well, let me just explain it. You're gonna get exactly what you came for today, like, you're gonna get everything that you want tonight, but, but you can never call me again, I don't want to hear from you, don't act like you ever know me, just, that's it, tonight, and that's it. And he's just like, what? But Did because, you like that answer? Because he's a fucking Kevin, he was like, okay, cool. So they start making out at the bar, like immediately afterwards. They're just making out at this bar. They start making out all the way in the Uber. They probably make out in the hallway. They get to her apartment and they make out some more. Now they're making out in the dark. And for some reason, out of nowhere, she just pushes him back and starts running to her bathroom and crying. And he's like, what did I do? Like, I thought this was what you wanted. And she's still crying. So he just kind of like awkwardly leaves her apartment. And she opens up her medicine cabinet inside of her bathroom and starts taking some pills. 
So the next morning, it seems like, you know, she's probably a little bit embarrassed about that. Like, what happened there? What's going on? You were acting like you were such a cool bitch. Like, you're all like, don't contact me again. And then she ended up crying in her bathroom. Like, I can relate. And so she starts Googling support groups for victims of stalking. So it seems like maybe she has some sort of PTSD from a stalking situation. And now it's just, it's hard for her to, like, make a relationship happen. Which might be the reason she's like, don't ever call me again. So she finds this place called the Highland Behavioral clinic and she's like you know what I'm gonna make a freaking appointment I want to see what's going on and we kind of get this little voiceover and we're watching her like go about her day and she's just talking about how stalking is one of those things where you kind of like lose yourself I mean it becomes so normal to to change your number every two days like to change your email every two days to to look over your shoulder constantly it's like it kind of ruins your entire life you can't even go out to the same places anymore you have to change up your routine constantly like you literally lose yourself because who even are you now? You're just doing everything you can to not be stalked. That's who you are. So she sits down with her therapist and she's explaining all of this. And the therapist at first, she looks really, really nice, okay? She's like sitting there and she's like listening and she's like, okay, like I get it. And um, you know, what else is going on? I mean, I just moved here from Boston because of him and I don't know, I just miserable. I don't really have any friends. I don't really do anything. I just, every time I look anywhere, I just feel like I see him, which I know. I mean, I'm not hallucinating. I know it's not him. It's probably my PTSD just making me a little bit paranoid and nervous. So it seems like she has a pretty good understanding of what's going on. Like she's still feeling all of the feelings of the PTSD and the trauma, but at least she has like some sort of knowledge of like, I know he's not there, but I just see him everywhere, right? Mm -hmm. And so the therapist is like, that sounds like a miserable life, Sawyer. Yeah, it is. It's not one that I want to keep living. What do you mean by that? Have you been having suicidal thoughts, Sawyer? I mean, no. I, I'm, there was a time where I did. Not anymore. I mean, I moved. Well, Sawyer, did you ever put into thought about how you would do something like that? Probably pills. Probably just experiment with some pills, I think. That's, that seems like the best way to go. But obviously, I don't really think like that anymore. It was just, you know, when you're in the moment of it, you kind of feel like that. But now I'm in a new city and I'm trying to get my life together. Yeah. Interesting. Well, why don't you fill out these forms? And so Sawyer, at this point, she's like, okay, well, this was really nice. Like, I know my time is over. My session is over. But I would love to come back next week. Like, do you guys have an opening next week? Because... Damn, like, you're a really good listener. Like, this is the first time. Like, someone, I, th- I can't believe I didn't go to therapy before. Like, this is, I like it. I feel free already. Like, I feel, I feel so much better. Thank you, Sawyer. Well, I just need you to fill out these forms first. Just, I mean, these are very generic. Just some waivers, some medical information, emergency contacts, and the receptionist can help you with making an appointment. So she's like, all right, well, thank you so much. You're an amazing listener. She leaves the room. She starts filling out all of these forms, all these crazy medical forms in the receptionist area. Then she hands it over to the receptionist, and she's like, all right, so do you guys have time? Maybe same time next week? All right, Miss Sawyer, do you mind just um, holding on one minute? Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you mind just um, taking a seat and someone will be right out with you? I don't, I don't really need anyone to be right out with me. I actually have to go back to work. Do you guys have an appointment same time next week or any time next week? Miss, Miss Valentini, please just sit. Uh, we're going to have someone out to kind of go through the next steps of your care. Okay, so she sits down in the waiting room and this male nurse approaches her and he's like, please, Miss Sawyer, follow me. And she's like, okay. So she grabs her stuff and is following into the back again. And she's like, all right, well, can we just make this quick? Like, I have to go back to work. My lunch is over. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yes, it'll be quick. So he leads her down this just like maze of hallways, places her in a patient room. Now, this time it's very different from the therapist room of like your typical seating arrangement. Now it's like a full-on medical exam room. So you've got like the medical bed, you've got, you know, the little doctor stool that like squeaks and it's just a shit show and she's like why am I here like I literally have to go back to work like what's going on I mean what's happening and he says can I see your bag please I just need to make sure that there's no hazardous material in there and she's like what why do you need to see my bag it's just protocol ma'am like can you please just give me your bag I just need to make sure there's nothing in there where you can harm other patients why would I harm other patients I need to go back to work and he's like ma'am please just let me do my job and you'll get out of here. So she's like, okay, gives him her purse and he takes everything out of the purse, puts it into this big plastic bag and just leaves the room with both of them, her phone included, and just closes the door. And immediately she's like walking towards the door to leave. So he took everything? Yeah, her entire purse, but he like put it into a plastic bag first. 
And she's like, okay, this is weird. And as he's leaving, she's trying to leave, but another woman walks in, and it seems like maybe she's a nurse. And she's like, all right, Miss Valentini, I need you to take off all of your clothes. We're going to do a head-to-toe exam. Um, nothing is invasive. This is just protocol. What? What are you talking about? Okay. <laughs> Did the therapist say something? Because I'm fine. Like, you know I'm fine, right? <laughs> This is really crazy. There must be some sort of misunderstanding. I'm Sawyer Valentini. I came here because I had a stalking situation. I didn't come here because I'm like, I don't know, crazy. She's like, what's going on, right? And she's like, ma'am, just take off your clothes, all right? And so she's like, geez, Louise. Listen, you can take off your clothes or, well, you won't really like the next option. So just, just do as I ask, please. So she starts taking off her clothes, she gets her exam done, and she gets put into one of those hospital gowns. And she's like, all right, Miss Valentini, please please follow me. And she starts walking through the little hallways again, and she's just chasing after her in her hospital gown. Like, why am I, what is happening? Like, I literally have to go back to work. Like, you guys are crazy. And she's like, okay, so we just checked in. Miss Valentini gives her a little paper, like one of those McDonald's ketchup cups of pills. And she's like, all right, take this and take this. She's like, Why? Like, okay, now she's trying to reason with the nurse. Like, you know that nothing's wrong with me, right? Like, I get it. You're just trying to do your job. You're just, you're, you know, I'm going to make it easier for you. Like, I know that this isn't your fault, but there must be some miscommunication down the way because I'm not supposed to be here. <sighs> Ms. Valentini, it says that right here, you signed consent to be involuntarily held for 24 hours. This is your signature, is it not, Ms. Valentini? Oh, my God. Okay, yeah, but, I mean, I just signed that outside because it's routine. Like, she just told me it's a bunch of waivers. All right, well, Miss Valentini, you signed it, so there's nothing I can do. Are you kidding me? So she starts panicking, and now I think this is, like, when you start thinking about, like, we've really talked about this so many times. If you were placed in a mental institution and everyone told you that you're crazy, how would you try to prove that you're not, and I hate using this E-word, but, like, how would you try to prove that you're not diagnosed with a mental illness that they claim that you have? Mm -hmm. It's, like, so difficult when you're in a situation like that. I feel like you're already at a massive disadvantage. You're already the liar, you know? And so she's like, okay. (laughs) You know what? You're right. You're right. I'll take the pills. I got it. 24 hours. You're just doing your job. You're just trying to keep people safe. And I appreciate that. I mean, I can't imagine how hard it is being a nurse. Do you mind if I just call my mom? She's going to get really worried. And I just, you know, I'm going to be here for 24 hours and I don't want her to stress out. Mm -hmm. So you're asking for a phone call? Yes, please. So they go over and she gets the phone and she starts waiting and it's ringing. And the nurse is staring at her. And immediately, when someone picks up on the other line, she goes, Hello, my name is Sawyer Valentini. I'm being involuntarily held captive at the Highland Behavioral Center. Please send help immediately. I'm not supposed to be in here. They're holding me captive. And she hangs up. Okay. And she looks at the nurse and says, Well, the police are coming. Miss Valentini, do you know how many phone calls they get like that a week from here? Let's go to your room. So she gets placed in this giant room. Now, this is where kind of like there's a bunch of plot holes. I guess maybe because it's an involuntary hold. I've never been like involuntarily held or to a mental institution. But from what I can do research on and from what I've seen in like um, research of actual true crime cases, it's usually separated by genders. And it's also separated by like you don't really put all the patients into like this massive room because it seemed um, way too big. Like I can understand a couple patients in each room, but there was just beds everywhere in like a room and there were all the genders you know i mean it was just weird it just didn't seem oh, like it would actually like a... like a cafeteria room almost oh, wow. so it seemed a little bit weird maybe they're cutting corners maybe this happens a lot but it feels like it shouldn't be happening like i feel like there's probably so many laws that's being broken right they usually split people up and so she's being placed in one of the beds and there's a girl next to her by the name of violet and she looks like your stereotypical crazy character in the movie and i say that in quotes right and she's looking at her like Allison, Allison, how's the baby? She's like, oh my God. Like, why am I in here with these crazy people? Allison, I'm fucking talking to you. How's the baby? She just keeps looking over. So he's like looking at her like, what is wrong with you? And just like goes back and lays in her bed. And she's like, 
all right, you want to be like that? And so her name is Violet, the girl, and she reaches into her pants and pulls out her tampon and throws it at Sawyer. And everyone in the room just starts giggling. And she's like, ew. So she swipes it away and she's like, I'm not Allison, you idiot. And I don't belong here. And I'm going to be out. Just you wait. The police are coming. And she's like, everyone's like giggling like the police are coming. Oh, you're so big, bad, and tough. The police are coming. And she was like, you're so mean, huh? Next time you say some shit like that, I'm going to cut all your hair off in your sleep. Oh, yeah? How are you going to cut my hair off, Violet? And she reaches up her shirt and inside of her, like, waistband of the hospital uniform that she's wearing, she's got this, um, like, metal spoon that she's kind of, like, it still looks like a spoon. It just looks somewhat sharp. And then she's like, now what? She's just ignoring her and trying to go to sleep. Meanwhile, that's happening. The cops actually do arrive. So two police officers, they come, and you can immediately tell shit ain't getting done. Like, you you know the vibes. They be walking in there holding their belt, kind of like, <laughs> like this, you know? And you're like, all right, no work is going to happen. Got it. Cool. So they walk up to the front desk lady, and they're like, I got a, I got a call for a 1045. I don't know, some sort of bullshit code. And she's like, oh, yeah, I have the file right here. And he's looking through the file. And one of the police officers is like, hey, Sandy, can I get some coffee in the break room? So he goes to get coffee. And he's looking through it. She's like flirting with the cop. And he's like, all right, sounds good. She signed the papers, gives it back to her, and they leave. Because she voluntarily signed the papers to be involuntarily held for 24 hours. So they just leave. Is Meanwhile, that, Is that a regular practice? I have no idea. I hope not. Yeah. I'm sure there are so many rules around it, but I think it gets murkier and murkier when there's people involved. I feel like this one probably would have never happened, but I feel like if maybe you had a bunch of family members or friends who are like, yeah, like, let's get her committed. She needs help. Mm. Then I feel like maybe it's so much easier. I feel like it's all sorts of weird. It's like one of those gray areas, like you're helping people, I'm sure, but you're also probably hurting people in this system right now because this system can't be perfect. I, I can't suggest a better system, but this one's weird. So they just leave. The police leave. Now Sawyer, she's looking at the clock. It's like 3 in the morning. She's freaking out. Everyone's like near her and like just being crazy. Like there's this one guy who's like talking to a wall or something. I don't know. It's just weird. I think he was like talking to a patient or maybe a wall. I don't know. So they're all like the stereotypes of these crazy people. I hate saying it, but like, I mean, obviously, right? And so she gets up in the middle of the night and she starts going to the door and she starts banging on it. Just full on force banging. Like, you got to get me out of here. This is a mistake. I don't belong in here. I don't belong in here. And everyone's just kind of giggling at her because I'm sure maybe everyone had that face. And all of the nurses immediately come. They open the door. And for whatever reason, she just starts attacking the nurse, one of the male nurses, just like full on punching him in the face. Now, we'll find out later why this happens, but um, it was just really uncalled for. It wasn't, he didn't even say anything to her. He didn't even try to like sedate her. She just immediately starts attacking him. So she immediately gets put back into the bed. They sedate her. They actually tie her up to the bed and she ended up wetting herself that night. So all of the other people, the patients, they start making fun of her. And the next day, she finally can see Dr. Hawthorne, which is the official doctor, not the the therapist that she had but like the doctor overseeing the inpatients because um there's inpatient status and then outpatient status you know so the therapist was seeing people who come in for like their therapy sessions and now he's an inpatient doctor so she sits down with dr hawthorne and immediately you can also tell no shit's getting done because the whole time he's like all right dan like i gotta call you back like i've got okay i've got an okay yeah we'll have you send the paper okay we'll send you the paper okay and it's just like, come on, dude, like you guys are understaffed or you don't care about your job because come on, come on, get it together, right? And he's just like, all right, so what did you need to talk about? And she's saying, okay, like, you know, I don't belong here, right? Like I have a job. I've got, I've got a, an amazing support system. I've got family. I've got friends. I'm not like them. Like, I'm not crazy. I, you know, I can't, I can't spend another minute here. You got to get me out of here. I mean, there's some sort of mistake that happened and please, you must see, doctor, that this, this is crazy. And he's like, okay, well, the therapist mentioned that you had threatened your own life and that you were a threat to yourself and or others. So that means you need to be further evaluated. That's why you're here, Mrs. Valentini. And she's like, no, 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 no. Uh, you, I might have mentioned that I had some dark days, but 
would I really ever do that? No. And you know, my family, they're so supportive. And my friends, so supportive. I've got an amazing support staff. I've got an amazing job. And I really think that I would benefit more mentally speaking out of here than I would in here. You know, how how am I going to get through this in here when out there I've got loved ones? And doesn't that make sense? Okay, well, it also says on the report that you attacked a staff member in the middle of the night. Yeah, well, he looked like someone I knew. Okay, well, the act of violence means that we need to keep you here for at least another seven days. Is there anything else you need to talk about, Miss Valentini? All right, well, I've got to take this. And he just, like, immediately, like, kicks her out of the place. He's like, bye, kicks her out of the office. And she's like, what the fork? So now she's going to stay not just the involuntary 24 hours, but a week because she has attacked a staff member. And as the viewer, this is when you start questioning, what do you mean they look like someone you know? You, like, you just immediately start attacking people that you know? Like, that's just a really odd question. It's not even like a, oh, man, dude, like, he was he was harassing me. Or, like, a, a dude, I need to get out of here. Like, I had, a, I had a breakdown. It was like, he looked like someone. What I knew. <laughs> like, what? So she goes to a group counseling meeting with all of the other patients, and that's when one of the other patients befriends her. And his name is Nate, and he is there for a three week opioid addiction treatment. So it's mandatory that he has to stay three weeks. He's done, I believe, two weeks at this point. So he's only got a week left. And he seems really nice. He seems like the only person that isn't making fun of her because nobody else wants to be associated with her. I mean, she's getting in trouble with the doctor. She's getting in trouble with the nurses. I'm sure like for your own self benefit, you're like, I don't really want to get in trouble with these people, right? And so he sits her down and he's like, what's wrong? Like, what, what are you in here for? And she's like, I don't belong in here. And he's like, yeah, we'll talk later. <laughs> what? So she's like, okay. So they end up talking later that day, and he tells her that you, br you brought up suicide, didn't you? Like, you brought up at least that you had thought about it. Maybe it was like five years ago. Maybe it was yesterday. You brought up some sort of suicide ideation. Well, that's all they need. I mean, think about it. You know, they have a bed. You have insurance. And you brought up suicide, so they're going to keep you in here. <laughs> that's how this thing works. You stay here until your insurance stops paying and then you get kicked out and they call it cured. They call it a, ooh, you're good now. You're good to be with the community So you just got to cancel your insurance. Yeah, but I mean, they can't, can she call from there? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, shit. <laughs> cancel your credit card, cancel yeah. something. And then he's like, it's like a business. Like anything else. You think things aren't a business, but they're all businesses. Here's a side note. You think prisons are just prisons? They're a business. It's a whole business model. You've got numbers you've got to meet every month. You've got quotas to meet. Prisoner equals money equals quota. You know, patient equals money equals quota. So that's why you're in here. And so you're just like, so you're telling me that they've just locked up a bunch of sane people for profit. Yeah, I mean, yeah, pretty much that is what I'm telling you. And this one's not even the worst. There's some really bad ones around here. There's ones where they've got a motivated staff. At least here, all the nurses, they're lazy as shit. What does that mean? Like, motivated staff who want to get promoted and shit. So what do they do? I don't know. Maybe it means that they're willing to do something that's bad for the patient just so that they can look better type vibes. And so he's like, here, piece of friendly advice. Keep your head down. Stay out of trouble. Your seven days is up. The insurance company will probably stop paying because unless they can make up some crazy shit that you're really losing your marbles, the insurance company is not going to pay. They're going to want you to go to a different facility, get a second opinion, and then you're going to get out. They're going to say you're cured and you go back to your life. So just keep your head down. And she's like, seven days. So she stands in line for the medicine. So every day, it's like the Queen's Gambit. <laughs> Love it. Um, they just like stand in line to get medicine, right? So they're all standing there. The nurse is like, all right, next person. They all have their own different pills, their own medication. But they have to take it in front of the nurse, show the inside of their mouth, all of that jazz, and then they get to leave the line. So she's in line, and once she gets to the front, she starts kind of freaking out. So the nurse hands her the pills, and it's the same nurse that she had attacked on the first night. And she keeps saying, no way. No, I got a restraining order on you in Boston. And he's just like, um, Sawyer Valentini, these are your pills. You're No, you're not allowed to be anywhere near me. You're not allowed. To, the Boston cops have a record of my restraining order. You're not allowed to be anywhere near me. And he's just like, um, these are your 
pills and everyone's looking around and all the other nurses are like okay she's maybe having a breakdown and she's like i hope you're happy i hope you're happy because you're going to jail now and he's like um okay she looks at his badge and it says george shaw on it Mm -hmm. and she's like george shaw is that what you're going by now you're fucking david strine and you know it and she's like, okay. Everyone's like, what's going on? So the nurses are looking around. All of the patients are confused. And she keeps telling everyone, he's been calling me. He's been texting me. He's been breaking into my apartment. He's been following me to work. I moved to a completely new city because you've been stalking me. And now you're just here? No, you're going to jail. And the nurse is looking at the other, you know, guy. And he's like, well, do you, do you, do you know her or something? No, I've never even been to Boston. All right, just take your medicine, Sawyer. Let's get this over with. And she's like, no, give me my phone back. If you guys can just give me my phone back, I have all of the text messages that he sent me. And remember all those sick ones too? I'm going to show everyone those sick text messages where you kept talking about how you were going to kill yourself if I'm not with you. And so she starts freaking out, demanding that they give her her phone and like flailing her arms. Everyone's confused. She's like making this whole scene. So again, they drag her into the room and they sedate her. So while she's sedated, she's kind of in and out of sleep and she hears um, Nate on the phone. So he had somehow smuggled in a cell phone and he's saying things like, well, I think we almost have the list ready. Like it's pretty much good to go. Yeah, no, eventually we're going to take her down. And so you kind of wonder, like, is she going to start believing that maybe Nate is out to get her or like, what's going on? Because she looks really suspicious. She's not just looking at him like, oh, shit, he's got a phone, you know, just kind of looking at him really, really intensely. So fast forward to the next day, her and Violet get into an altercation in the cafeteria because Violet accuses her of stealing some cigarettes from her. So it's like this whole ordeal. She gets sent to Dr. What's his name? Hayward Hawthorne's office. And he's like, listen, you're one incident away from being sent to solitary confinement in the basement where you're just by yourself in a padded room. Like, do you want that? You don't want that. And she's like, no, she she harassed me first. Like, are you crazy? And she's like, and also, you're the, you're the one to talk. This is rich. Okay, doctor, listen, I don't know what kind of establishment you're running, but I came in here because I was having a stalker situation and you freaking hired my stalker, so... And he's like, oh, okay, yeah, Miss Valentini, we did hear about that. We did an investigation and a background check on George Shaw and nothing, there's nothing. There's no restraining order. He's never been to Boston. He's not from Boston. And she's like, yeah, because you did a background check on George Shaw. Do a background check on my stalker. His name is David. All right, well, Miss Valentini, we're just going to be adding some more meds. I think I'm just going to swap out this one for a different one, maybe an antipsychotic, and I'll keep you updated. And she just has to leave the office again. So at this point, the next time she's in the medicine line, it's the same guy again, the same nurse. And he seems kind of nice. He's like, hey, Sawyer, I don't know if I did anything yesterday that triggered something, but I'm really sorry if I did. I don't, I don't know. Maybe I look like someone you know, but I'm really sorry that you freaked out. And she's kind of like receptive to it. She's like, okay, like she's thinking about her plans, right? I think she's like plotting her options here. And all the other people are like, come on, take your meds, bitch. And a, a fight breaks out between two of the patients in the back of the line. So the rest of the nurses who are with George, the nurse, they run to kind of sedate the other patients. And he brings something out of his pocket. And it's a letter that she had written from inside of the hospital to her mom, telling her everything. And it was addressed to her mom and he just showed it to her and then smirked and put it back into his pocket. So this to the audience confirms either she's seeing things and hallucinating, or this is dead ass her stalker. So she starts freaking out again. So she gets sedated again. So the next day she's like, okay, I'm gonna play it a little bit different. And she goes up to Nate who had that phone that he was talking to. So now she can make a phone call without any of the staff knowing. And she's like, please, like I'm begging you, like let me use your phone. And he's a super nice dude. So he was like, okay, fine, use my phone. And so she calls her mom and her mom's name is Angela and she just tells her everything. She's So it seems at this point, her mom didn't even know why she moved. Her mom didn't know about the stalker. So she just kind of gives her a rundown like, mom, this is where I'm at right now. They're involuntarily holding me for the next seven days. My stalker is here. He stalked me from Boston. That's why I moved to Philadelphia. Like, please, you need to come here. And her mom is kind of like, what? A a stalker? Like, is that why you moved? 
Okay, what is, what is the place's name? And so the mom, she starts driving to where she's being held, and it seems like, okay, finally, we're gonna get some justice. So her mom goes there, and she's yelling at the receptionist. She's like, I don't freaking care who you are. I'm, I'm yelling at receptionists. I'm yelling at doctors. Her mom is a fighter. She was like, you're gonna bring my daughter out. She's gonna come out with me. I don't give a shit what you have to say. And she finally gets to the head of the entire hospital. And so she's sitting down with this woman, and she's like, I need my daughter. I'm gonna, you're gonna give me my daughter, or I'm gonna call my attorneys, I'm going to call the cops. I'm going to call everyone. And she's like, okay, that's fine. But <laughs> Mrs. Valentini, that's not why we're having your daughter here. We, we're not keeping your daughter for insurance purposes. We're keeping her here because we think that she's a danger to herself. And we have multiple in-hospital you know, doctors who are amazing. They're treating her. And I just don't think we should get lawyers involved because I see on her record she just got hired at a bank. And usually people like banks, they don't like frivolous lawsuits. And you know, do you really want to draw attention to the fact that your daughter was held in a mental institution for her future employers? I don't think that that would be smart, but again, you're free to do as you wish, but um, we're just trying to look out for Sawyer. That's it. You're good. And so her mom's like, but can I see her? Can I see her at least? Mm-hmm. Um, well, visiting hours just ended like an hour ago, but okay, yeah, we can give you 20 minutes. So she gets to meet up with Sawyer, and Sawyer kind of tells her everything. And Sawyer doesn't seem, quote-unquote, crazy anymore. Like, she's like, Mom, like I'm really sorry. You need to get me out of here. I don't know what's going on. I know he's in here. And I'm sorry I didn't tell you about the stalker. I just, after Dad died, I just didn't want to stress you out more. And it's just, it was a lot. So I made it seem like I was just moving here for a job opportunity. Okay, well, that's okay, Sawyer. I'm going to get that son of a bitch. We're going to get him arrested. I don't care if I have to call the most expensive attorney in the city. I don't care if I have to call the FBI. I'm going to get you out of here, okay? Jesus Christ, what are you wearing? Okay, I'm going to go back to the motel. I booked into the motel across the street. And I'm going to get you some... I always overpack, so I'm going to get you some of my clothes. Are you cold here? Are they feeding you? Like, she's just giving, doing mom stuff. And so the mom leaves. And during this, you kind of see the mom constantly trying to be on the phone. Like, she's trying to really work. Like, she's calling the police. The police say they can't really do anything for her. So she st- starts calling a bunch of attorneys. But attorneys do what attorneys be doing. And they're just like, all right, yeah, we'll get back to you. And then they just, like, hang up on her. And so she's like, what the heck? Like, I want her out right now. I don't want to I don't wanna wait till you get back to me, right? So they just kind of hang up on her. And she's getting more and more frustrated. She drives to the motel. Just super freaking frustrated now meanwhile all of this is happening nate and sawyer start kind of bonding a little bit and they start kind of trying to take their mind away from the fact that they're inside of this hospital so he's like what did you want to be growing up and she's like i don't know what about you and he's like well i wanted to be an astronaut now i'm here (laughs) and she's like well i wanted to go to med school but i ended up not going and i started working at a hospice care center so i was taking care of a bunch of old people and that's how i met David Strine, my stalker. I was taking care of his dad who had dementia and he would come in every day and I would help his dad. I would wheel his dad out to see David and he was, he was quiet. He's like one of those types that makes you uncomfortable. But um, I kind of felt bad for him, you know? His dad didn't even remember him. They couldn't really have a conversation. And I tried the best that I could and everyone did and then his dad ended up passing away. And so out of respect, I went to the funeral And that's where everything went weird. At the funeral, he started grabbing my hand, holding it, and he looked at me and he said, before he died, you know, you know that he wanted us to be together, right? And so then he would constantly send me these notes at work like, oh, Sawyer, you're always on my mind. I love you always and forever. And I just, I kind of ignored it. And somehow he got my phone number and he started texting me nonstop. I filed a restraining order and I thought that would be the end of it. But one day I went into shower and I got out of the shower and there was a dress laid out on my bed with a note telling me he's going to take me out on a date. So I spent all of this money getting this crazy door because I had to replace the door of my apartment, you know, put bars on my windows. I couldn't even park in the apartment parking lot anymore. I had to change my number. I had to change, I had to deactivate all of my social media accounts. You know, I hired someone to try to help me stalker-proof my place and they told me, if you are hanging out with friends, don't even be in pictures. Pretty much be as invisible online as possible. And it just kind of like ruined my life. And I started seeing him everywhere. 
and maybe I am crazy. And he's like, no, you're not crazy. You're fine. So we see the mom at the motel and she's kind of panicking. She's smoking some weed and she's like, yeah, mom's cool. She's like calling some more attorneys, like looking up how to, you know, prison break her daughter out. And she gets a knock on the door and it's maintenance. And she looks through the little people and we know it's David's trying, the nurse. And she opens the door and that's all we see. So the next night, Sawyer finds a way to not take her meds. She like is able to show her mouth, but is able to spit them back up. And she was putting it under her pillow inside the bed. And she felt something and she takes it out. And it's her mom's ring, her wedding ring that she never takes off since dad died. So she immediately goes over to Nate's bed and she's like, I need to use your phone right now. And he's like, we're going to get caught. And she's like, trust me, I need to use your phone right now. And she keeps calling and calling her mom and she will not pick up. So she leaves a bunch of voicemails. And so the next day, her and Nate start bonding some more and she's just talking about how it's day five. She's really excited to get out, but she's so worried that her mom's not picking up. And he's like, it's fine. She's probably busy talking to attorneys. In two days, she's going to be out there excited and you're going to go home with your mom. And she's like, you know, will you get out in a week? Maybe we can go to lunch or something because I kind of owe you. You know, you've been helping me with your phone and stuff. I've, I really owe you. And he's like, no, it's different. It's really different. Like once you get out of here, you don't want to be people's friends, okay? Like we're not the same people out of here. Inside, we're friends. Outside, we're not. And also outside, I don't have anything to be useful. Inside, I've got a phone. So, you know, that's why you want to be my friend. And she's like, well, maybe I can let you use my phone when we're outside. So it's kind of her like invitation to be like, no, we'll still be friends. And he's like, okay, yeah, maybe I'll use your phone when we're outside. So they're giggling. Meanwhile, the creepy nurse is watching and he's getting mad. So later we see Nate go to the bathroom and the creepy nurse walks into the bathroom and Nate freaks out. He, you know, flushes the toilet, washes his hands and the creepy nurse walks up behind him and smashes his head against the mirror and drags him to the basement of the facility. I don't know how he got away with that, but he did put him in a wheelchair. He's tied up in the wheelchair because in these types of institutions, they've got handcuffs on the wheelchair. Oh, you know? he just like, hold on. Yeah, he hold on kidnapped a patient inside the hospital. Oh, yeah. wait, what? And he starts doing like uh, the electroshock on him downstairs. Like, Torture with, house. Like with a defibrillator, a defibrillator, the one that's like, clear, you know, Grey's Anatomy, all of that jazz. And he starts torturing him, saying things like, you shouldn't really get involved in other patients' treatments. You know, who do you think you are? And so at that point, he somehow is able to get drugs and injects Nate with what we can assume to be a lethal dosage of opioids, which is what he's inside of this rehab for. And he just kind of like leaves him slumped over. Like he takes him out of the wheelchair, leaves him in the basement. So if someone finds him, maybe you think a patient got rogue and somehow got hands on drugs and overdosed. So he leaves him and the next night, Sawyer goes to bed and she reaches under her pillow and she sees Nate's phone. And this is really confusing because she hasn't seen Nate in a while, right? And she looks at text messages that he had just received and it's pictures of Nate being tortured in the basement. So she starts freaking out and I don't know how this happened, but for some reason, instead of like calmly walking up to a nurse and showing them the pictures, she just starts like hysterically screaming. So they don't even try to talk to her, they just sedate her again. And after she gets sedated, she wakes up in solitary confinement in the basement in this padded room. So meanwhile, all of that is taking place in the basement. The nurses, they've got their own little scandal. They're going around and they're talking to George and they're like, hey, George, you need to keep it under the wraps. And if you hear any patients talking about it, squash the rumors. But we found one of the patients dead in the basement. And he's like, dead? Yeah, I mean, I think he got his hands in like a, like a drug cabinet because we think he overdosed. Oh my God, that's... That's terrible. Who, who would leave something like that open? I don't know. But if you hear other patients talking about it, squash the rumors. Just say he was transferred. And so he's like, yeah, yeah, of course. So he goes down into the padded basement to visit Sawyer. And he starts talking this nonsense with her. So this is kind of the first time that you see them talk without him being like, I'm George Shaw. I'm a fucking nurse. She's like, are you going to kill me? Like, just kill me. Are you going to kill me? Just do it. And he's like, what are you talking about? There's no way after all this time that you think that I would possibly hurt you. No, Sawyer, I love you. Why would I why would I hurt you? It's crazy. And she's like, Did you kill Nate? Well, Nate Nate chose his course of action and he chose the consequences. Well, you killed my fucking mom, didn't you? No. What? Your mom is like family to me. How how could I kill your mom? You don't even know my mom. My mom doesn't even know you exist. 
no, Sawyer, I didn't kill your mom. And she's like, well, how did you get my mom's ring? And he says, listen, I went to the motel that your mom was staying at and I had a nice conversation. She told me how your mom and your dad met and I told her how we met at the hospice center and she gave me her wedding ring for me to propose to you. What? She thinks it'll be great together. And so she's like, you're sick. And he's like, no, listen, I'm not sick, but I have a cabin. I have a cabin in the woods in New Hampshire, and it's completely isolated. It's off the grid. Everything's solar paneled. We've, we have our own little garden, and we could just live there, and we'd be, we'd be so happy because right now we have all of this other stuff, you know, in between us, but when we're out there, it would just be you and me. And she's like, no, I fucking hate you. Like, you ruined my life. Like, look at where I am. Like, you did this to me. Why would I, why, how could I ever be happy with you or without you? Like, I, you literally make me miserable, you know? And he's just like, no, no, I, I've seen you, Sawyer. I've seen you. You go to work and you just float around. You, you try to fit in, but you don't. And you know, you know something's missing. It's me. So she starts yelling at him. He ends up somehow choking her. Honestly, the dialogue is really odd in this situation, okay? It's not like, uh, yeah, it's weird. And so he, like, cries because he's like, ugh! And then he realizes he's choking his loved one. So then he, like, leaves her again. And it's, like, this whole moment. Now, meanwhile, other nurses are cleaning out Nate's locker. So they keep all of your personal belongings in a, you know, in an area. So that when you're outpatient, they give them back to you. Like prison. And so they had all of his stuff. And they find a journal. And they're like, oh, my God. This fire's going to keep he's been keeping log of everything that goes down here like all the shady shit what do you mean like all the insurance stuff oh are you gonna give that to the boss lady Wait, who's talking right now two nurses including david no he wasn't there and so they're like yeah i'm gonna give this to the nurse maybe one of us will get promoted so he brings it to like the main head boss like the one that was like oh you don't want to press charges to the mom right uh -huh. and she was like huh Thanks for bringing this in. And he's like, no problem. So really some shady shit's going on. And at the same time, outside of the hospital, a jogger is running and their dog stumbles upon what we can imagine to be human remains and they start screaming. Now along this, the police come, the police start investigating, they start calling this person a John Doe. They couldn't find any identification of that person yet. And later we find out that this is the real George Shaw and the police will too. So meanwhile, all of that's happening. Sawyer's still in the padded room and he comes the next morning and he has her go-to breakfast order. He's like, I got you the egg breakfast that you love so much, blah, 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 blah. And this time Sawyer has completely shifted. Instead of being like, Fork you, nobody loves you, I hate you. She's like, you know what? Thanks. I guess I'm just not used to someone being so considerate. You know, most guys they wouldn't even they wouldn't even remember your order, let alone take you out for breakfast. And he's like, Well, I'm not like them. I, I know a lot of things about you. I know your favorite book. I know your favorite dinner order. I know your favorite movie. When you were seven, you broke your arm at cheerleading practice. Like, I know, I know a lot of things about you. And she's like, all right, well, you're ruining it now. Wait, so she's saying that you're too creepy now. Yeah, and he's like, oh, sorry. She's like, well, what's your, what's your great plan anyway, you know? My mom's going to come looking for me. I have a job. My employer is eventually going to come looking for me. And he's like, well, you can call them from the cabin. I've got a phone there and you can just call them and let them know that you're safe. And she's like, or, or what if, David, what if, what if you let me go and we just, we start fresh and we go on a couple dates and we get to know each other, like really get to know each other in a non-creepy way. You know we can't do that, Sawyer. You know that that wouldn't work. You know that you would just leave. What's your plan anyway? Are you like secretly a billionaire? Like what are we gonna do in this cabin? Mm -hmm. Well, I, I, I did some research and I saw that there was this um, really, really, really weird diner nearby and I thought I had enough money that we could put a down payment on it and renovate it and we could run the diner. Well, I can't even get out of here. I mean, they're holding me because I got into so many fights. No, I went into your records and I changed your stay. If anything, people think you already left. And there's a back door here. No one comes into this part of the basement. We could just leave right now. We could just go to the cabin right now. And so somehow during all of this, Sawyer convinces him that it's not true love because he's a virgin. So she's saying that 
like when we get out into the real world, you're going to realize that I'm not the one for you. I'm going to leave my family. I'm going to leave my job. And then in 10 years, it's going to be like every other marriage. You're going to want to explore different options and you don't even know if you want me anymore. And I lose everything for you, but you might change your mind. And he's like, no, so yeah, I would never change my mind. I love you. And she's like, no, because I've been with other people. Have you? And I'm not trying to like make fun of you or anything, but have you really? And he says, no. And she's like, well, you need to at least have sex with someone else so that you can decide if you want me because I don't want to just be your first, you know? I want to I wanna be your last. And so he starts crying and he's like, no, I can never do that for you. Like, I can never do that to you. I don't want to hurt you. And she's like, no, I need you to do it. That's the only way that you can show that you love me. Truly, not in this fake way of like following me around, but in a real way so she's like i need you to bring someone in here and i need you to fork her in front of me and he's like no sawyer i can't do that and this is where my brain was like this is incredibly realistic and most definitely happened <laughs> and so she he's like like what do I, who do i bring just like any patient and she's like no bring violet now i mean you can kind of see where this is going because violet had showed her the shiv that she had made. So it seems like it's definitely an exit plan. She probably doesn't want to watch an assault go down, but also Sawyer's not a good person. Just keep that in mind. So he brings Violet down and he throws her onto the padded room floor and Sawyer is like, okay, good, now do it. And so he gets up on top of Violet and she's screaming because this is assault. And then Sawyer is like, God, David, that's not how you do it. So she pushes David off and she gets up on top of Violet. So now Violet's here, Sawyer's on top of her. And she's like, I know, Violet, I know you're in here because you just want people's attention. And that's why you were yelling at me. And that's why you try to pick these fights with me because you just wanted my attention. And she starts making out with Violet. And Violet what? is making out with her. So I don't know. Maybe Violet had a crush on Sawyer. Never was indicated. So they start making out. Meanwhile, you know, Sawyer's reaching into her pants, but she grabs the shiv. Mm -hmm. And David comes closer, I guess, to like, watch it because he's a weirdo and she immediately grabs the shiv and stabs him in the face and she runs out of there but she like leaves violet in there and she watches through the window as david strangles violet so she just like watches violet die and like doesn't do anything about it so then she Why starts is david strangling violet i don't know because so that she can't talk probably maybe or anger because okay. he's a psycho. And so she starts running down the hallways. She can't find an exit. All the doors are locked. Finally, she gets out. And at the same time, we see the police station nearby say, Oh, the Jane Doe's George Shaw. And the other police officer is like, No, that's not possible. Because it says right here that he's working at... Wait, what? And so immediately as she runs out of the building from one of the basement doors, you hear the police sirens come. And so it seems like they're trying to arrest him because, you know, he's probably a murderer and identity theft. And she's listening and she suddenly gets bonked on the head. And it's David behind her. And he places her into the trunk. She wakes up in the trunk and it's really stinky in there. And she sees this big plastic bag next to her and she opens it up and it's her mom. Her mom's, her mom's dead, dead in the trunk. So she somehow is able to pop the trunk open and she runs out. So she jumps out the trunk and she starts running into the nearby woods and he stops the car and he starts running after her. Mm -hmm. And she's like, no, like she keeps running, 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 running. Meanwhile, the police are investigating. They're like, you know, we've got search warrants. We're going to search the entire place. They find Nate. The police, you know, the staff are just trying to tell the police, no, no, he, he overdosed. So she starts running into the woods. But of course, like every chase scene, she um, trips and falls. <laughs> And he stabs her in the leg because he's like, this is, this is what's going to help. And she goes unconscious and he starts telling her, it's going to be different when it's just you and me at the cabin. It's going to be different. And you look so beautiful right now. Like you look like how you looked at the hospice care, just sitting there so peaceful and beautiful. You learn to love me, you know? And he starts laying next to her and like caressing her hair. You learn to love me. Maybe, maybe this just year. On the ground? Yeah in the leaves yeah maybe maybe this year maybe next year maybe in two years and we can start a family of our own that'd be nice and meanwhile she's not unconscious she grabs into her pocket grabs the little spoon shiv stabs him in the eye and then slits his throat 
Just like that. So I don't think he died, probably. But, you know, he's probably、oh. too injured to chase after her. And all of that's happening. Meanwhile, breaking news is happening that there is insurance fraud happening. They found Violet's body, suspicious of Nate's body. Now, Nate had that cell phone because I don't know if he was a journalist or if he had contact with journalists, but he was working with a team who knew that he went off the grid. All of a sudden, and they had all of his notes, they had all of the information, specific dates, specific people involved, so all of the staff get arrested. It was just an insurance fraud? Yeah. Now, six months pass, and Sawyer is just eating lunch with her old colleagues. So, I mean, I guess she's like back at the same workplace, right? And she's eating lunch, and the colleague's like, I can't believe you got promoted. And she's like, Yeah, it's fine, it's whatever. It seems like she's adjusting well. Meanwhile, She's looking over and she hears a guy, and she can only see the back of his head. And he's saying, Yeah, we met at hospice care, and I think she's the one. And she grabs her salad fork or her salad knife、uh-huh. and starts walking up to that person. And she's about to stab him, and、uh-huh. he turns around, and it's not David, it's someone else. And so she drops the knife and she runs out of there, shaking. And that's the end. So. Was that David or not? It wasn't, no. No, but it's just like, I guess they're trying to imply that, you know, the trauma never goes away. But is David dead? I don't know. Oh, we don't even know if he's, a, if he's arrested. Yeah. This one was a weird movie. Okay, so I tried to tell it to the best of my abilities. Would I recommend this movie?、Uh, no. <laughs> I think, like, they tried really hard to be different. And I don't know what their budget was for this. I think they tried really hard to be different with the whole iPhone 7 filming. But, like, the dialogue was just such a stereotype. There was no character development. The main character is so unlovable, but not in a way that's like Game of Thrones, where all the characters are unlovable, you know, and like you have one or two good ones, and then the rest are just horrendous, but you keep watching because, like, oh god, how much more evil can they be? It was just like. Like, you're supposed to sympathize for her because she's a stalking victim, but at the same time, she like, doesn't give a fork if Violet dies and gets assaulted. And it's just like, it's really hard to have any sympathy. If anything, you seem just as bad as the stalker that you're willing to like, have a girl get assaulted. Because what? The whole stalker dialogue is pretty much if I asked my newborn niece to write a dialogue about stalking. <laughs> the screenwriting was just weird. There was no like depth. It was very stereotypical. Like, no, I, I love you. I would never hurt you. And then、yeah. she was like, oh, you're just, no girl likes you, huh? Is that why you're a stalker now? And then she was like, okay, like, I'll go to the cabin with you. And he's like, really? And she's like, but you gotta fork someone first. And he's like, really? Like, it was just a lot. <laughs> It's just a little weird. Especially, I think, coming from like true crime、yeah. angle, it just seems really, really shallow.、Right? Like, really. Unrealistic. This、yeah. seems like this seems like if you were to bring this to a judge and jury, they're like, oh yeah, that's what we know stalking to be literally in a textbook, you know? But like most stalking cases are not like that. They're really nuanced. There's so much vague areas and it、yeah. just gets really strange. <sighs> would I recommend it? It's not my favorite. How would you rate it? See, that's the thing though. The, per- the person who produces it made one of my really loved movies called Side Effects.、Uh-huh. The one with the two women come together to sue a massive drug company and she kills her husband.、Uh-huh. And it was because the side effects of a drug could possibly make her. So, her and her therapist were like working together and it's like this whole thing and they're lovers. So, he produced that one and I really liked that one because it was like, oh, there's so many like nuanced things and there's so many things that I wasn't expecting. But then this one was just really flat. So, like a zero. Yeah. <laughs> I think, especially if you have been around a stalking victim or have been stalked, I don't think you're going to like this video because it is just so incredibly like, stereotypical and shallow that you're going to be like, that's not even.、Mm. So let me know in the comments what are your thoughts, and I hope you guys enjoyed, and I'll see you tomorrow. Bye.